check, check, check. One, two, three, four, five. I can do it from here, right? Check, check, check. One, two, three, four.
Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, guys. Some of you are probably in your pajamas. Some of you are having breakfast, bacon and eggs or healthy stuff, oatmeal or whatever as you do, or coffee or milk or orange juice or water, whatever it would be this morning, guys. Thank you so much for getting up and being with us. It's so cool to know where people are joining us from all over the, all over the planet, actually. Italy's on with us this morning. Ireland's on with us this morning. Arkansas is almost us this morning. People in different places who have been sent places who are locked in their home and who are waiting. And so we thank you for taking the time to get up and joining us at Crossroads this morning. Crossroads family and friends, so excited for you to be with us this morning. So excited for these two incredible people this morning behind me to lead us in worship. That you get to sit at home and you get to engage with Jesus. Again, we know this. The church is not a building. The church is people. And people come together and they create an energy that's amazing that Christ flows through us. And so this morning you're watching at home on your own or you're watching at home as a family. Thank you for taking the time to join us. But this morning will you join me as we pray and then Amy and Bobby are going to lead us in worship. And I would encourage you this morning to just stop everything else. There's a lot of bad news out there. There's some good news, but there's some amazing news you'll hear this morning through these worship songs and through the messages you hear in a few minutes. So let's pray this morning. Dad, we thank you for your incredible faithfulness. We come to you this morning. We pause everything that's going on. We stop and pause and catch our breath in your presence. So this morning, Dad, would you allow us to enjoy you as you enjoy us, that you would allow your Holy Spirit to wash over and to wash through people this morning as they pause their life for a moment, and they focus on the one who brings incredibly good news. So bless us today, Jesus, we ask in your precious name. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, Bobby and Amy, take it away, guys. Thank you so much.
for being faithful all the time. Everyone at home, I just want to say we love you so much and I can actually hear you singing.
thankful that we can't earn his love and we don't deserve his love. And we will never be worth it on our own apart from Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, so much for just pouring and pouring and pouring your love on us. We just want to stand with our arms open and our hearts open and receive what you're pouring on us today. Your favor and your unending love. You're always, always good. No matter what we see, we don't have to see because we always know that you're good. You've always been good and you're always kind. And we praise you and worship you for that today. Yeah. 
something special for you today. I just wanted to ask you if you might be willing, wherever you are, to just hold out your hands and receive this blessing that's coming from the Lord, and it's coming from us to you today.
before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you he is with you he is with you in the morning in the evening in your coming and your going in your weeping and rejoicing he is for you 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 Lord, this morning, I just ask for wisdom to be poured out upon 
Governor Herbert. I just ask, Father God, that your peace would come and move in our situation, our circumstance, that you would allow him to see beyond himself. You would allow him to have insight that's beyond him, that you would allow him to be a spokesperson for you in our nation and in our state, Father God, to be able to care for and bless for our people. Or I thank you for our president who is doing his very best to care for this nation. And this morning, we as the church, we come and speak life and hopefulness. We speak peace and passion, Lord Jesus, and an awareness and insight and discernment over our president this morning that Jesus, you would show up and you would lead him and his team as he leads this country to a place of walking through this situation we find ourselves. We know that you are the answer, but Lord, you work through people and we ask you to bless our president. We ask you to bless our governor. We ask you to bless our governors of other states this morning that, Father God, your church would rise up and we would lift these men and women to places, Father God, where you would profoundly work through them and with them to move in our nation in a supernatural way. We pray for our world today. Lord, over our world, people are dealing with this situation. And we thank you that we have a place to go where hope prevails forever, and that's in you. And so this morning, Father, we ask you to come, and we ask you to move in a super, supernatural way on the lives of people all over our nation, all over our state, all over our world today, that your power, your authority, your presence would show up and move in the lives of people in a super, supernatural way. Amen. Good morning, Crossroads family and friends. Thank you so much for taking the time to stop and pause and be with us this morning. I just want to share with you a couple of things you'll see at the end of our broadcast. You may see it on a slide right now. There's some links for different ways that you're continuing to be an incredible blessing and you're continuing giving both of your finances and your time and your talents and your energy and your willingness to be available to help people. Thank you so much for taking the time for look for ways to look beyond ourselves, to look over the fence as it were. This morning we just stopped and pause and I hope you enjoy yourself this morning in a second Pastor Adam's going to come and just profoundly share with us to continue to walk us through the blessed life series we're blessed because Jesus is in our life and he shows up in lots of different ways to impact and transform and change and lead us and I know this morning Pastor Adam will be speaking on behalf of him as an oracle as, a, as one who would proclaim God's word it will profoundly impact your life if you would open yourselves up to allow Jesus to, to speak to you personally then ask the question, what would I do? And so, Pastor Adam, would you come and join us this morning? Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for taking the time, and we hand it over to you. And uh, be blessed, my friend. Well, watch social distancing, right? Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, or afternoon, depending on which continent you're watching this from. I want to say good morning to my family, Christy, Haley, and Elijah, who are watching from home. Good morning. I love you, and I miss you. And I'll just be honest, I don't know if they're actually hearing this because they said they might watch something on Disney Plus instead this morning. Uh, I'm just kidding. I know you're watching and supporting. Please let me come back home and let me in the house. So um, let me tell you where I'm not standing. I am not standing in a church because Jesus and the early Christians just emphatically told us that church is not a building. It is not a structure. That is, church is people. And in fact, the early church, they were so poor, they didn't even have buildings they could go to, so they would just meet in each other's home because church is just a gathering of people. So I want to thank you for gathering together today and being the church, maybe in your home or maybe you're driving somewhere, drive carefully, but I just want to say thank you for being the church gathered here this morning. 
Well, I know you know this, but things are ever-changing in our world, right? When five years ago we told uh, many of our friends that we're going to start homeschooling our kids, we could see that some of them were like, yeah, we thought of doing that, but we didn't want to have kids who were weird. Uh, And so what is ironic now is everybody's kids are homeschooled now. So if you're with your kids, I want you to just look at them and be like, don't you dare turn weird on me now, all right? So just look at them and say that. Um, I miss you all so much. I am a people person. I'm a large group gatherer person. I'm a hugger. Ah, man, I just miss seeing you guys. I miss our greeting time that we do at all of our campuses when I can go and give you a hug. I miss seeing those of you that hate greeting time and you run to the coffee bar or bathrooms to hide during that time. I miss all of that. And so here's what I'd like you to do, and, and, uh, and this is an all play. Uh, everybody can do this. I'd like you to take a minute and just hug. Get up and greet. Hug someone next to you. Get up. I know they may be rolling their eyes at you. They're like, oh, don't get near me. I know you've been in the same house with the same people for so long. You're practicing, you know, social distancing even from them. But hug them. If you have a dog or animal, a cat, hug your dog. If you're by yourself, just give a little love to yourself. Just do something because you need it and they need it. We all need a little hug and we all need a little love. So, In these ever-changing times, I hope um, some things are changing for the better. I hope you find yourself as families eating around the dinner table more often. Um, I hope we're all finding ways to just take each day uh, one at a time as it comes. I hope we're all practicing being humble and kind on social media, remembering that as Jesus followers, we are his ambassador, we are his representative. Um, I hope you're praying for and checking in on your neighbors to make sure that they're doing okay. And I don't know about you, but I've been praying more than ever before. Prayer has always just been like a weakness of mine. I just, it's, I've not, never been as strong. Have you ever seen that guy in the gym that only works out his biceps, but then he's got chicken legs and it's just weird, right? I'm kind of like that as a Christian. Like, I like to read God's word and sometimes I feel strong with that, but in prayer, I'm like chicken legs. I just, I just don't, not strong. And so, um, uh, I've been praying more than ever before and I, and just God is growing my confidence in him and what he can do in me and through me, and in all of us through these strange times that we live in. So I want us to to stop and pray together. I want us to pray for those who have lost their jobs, pray for those whose salaries have been cut. I want to pray for those who are sick. I want to pray for those who are afraid of getting sick. Um, And I want to pray for those that this very morning are mourning the loss of a close family member or friend. So as I pray, would you pray? Um, would you just begin to think about those people that you know can really need it? It may even be you, and you just need to pray and go, God, help me today. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we just pray for all those who have been greatly impacted um, in their job or in their finances or in their health. Lord, they need hope. They need courage. They may need healing. Uh, there are many across this world that you so love who are mourning right now. And they're mourning in isolation because people can't be near them in their mourning. But I am thankful and grateful that our creator God leaves nobody alone, that he is with everyone who is mourning, even as maybe their family members can't gather with them. So Lord Jesus, would you infuse that hope and that reality into the lives of maybe those that don't even know you yet, that they would come to know that God so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus to be near to us, 
because God wants to be near to us. And I pray for those who are scared or suffering right now that they would know that you are near to them. And for those of us that are followers of Jesus, those that are disciples, I pray, God, that you would cause us to be generous while others are hoarding. God, that you would cause us to be prayer-filled instead of fear-filled. That, Lord Jesus, you would help us to care about our neighbor's family and not just our own families. And, Lord Jesus, that we would pray before we post as a way to honor you. So God, we thank you for your kindness to us. God, we thank you for your generosity to us. And God, make us more like your son Jesus in his wonderful name. Amen. So let me ask you this question. What have you been blessed with? I want you to quickly think about it and I want you to share it. If you're with someone else, share it with them. What have you been blessed with? Is it health? Is it wealth? Is it children? Is it wisdom? Is it possessions? Uh, Have you been blessed with a job, multiple cars? Have you been blessed with hot water? Have you been blessed with clean drinking water? Have you been blessed with freedom to vote? Have you been blessed with freedom of speech? Have you been blessed with salvation or forgiveness of sins, an opportunity for education? What have you been blessed with? Quickly share it with someone else. Because there are millions of people around the world that aren't blessed with any of the things that I just listed. So what have you been blessed with? I know for me... I have been blessed immensely. Um, I have been blessed with health. I am rich in friendship. I have so many people that love me and love my family, and they're texting me and texting my wife, Christy, to see how she's doing and how she's feeling, and I just feel so blessed. I've been blessed with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ who's infused my heart as a young adult when I was hopeless, and he poured into my heart hope. And he said, Adam, I got a future for you. And I didn't think there was a future for me. And he's just flooded me with love and acceptance and forgiveness. And uh, so I know I've been really blessed. So what have you been blessed with? Now, here's what every Jesus follower and every disciple of Jesus needs to hear, needs to be reminded of, but also needs to like live out practically. That you are blessed to be a blessing. You are blessed to be a blessing. This means that if you've been blessed by God, it's not because you're better than anyone else. If you've been blessed by God, it's not because you're more important to God than anyone else. The implication is if you've been blessed by God with something, it's so that you will go and be a blessing to someone. That God did not just bless you or just bless me as a means to my own end or your own end, but for someone else's. That we are blessed to be a blessing. And that's what this series, A Blessed Life, is all about. So here's the beautiful promise that awaits all those who walk with Jesus. Here's a great promise. A follower of Jesus can possess a blessed life even in the midst of difficult circumstances, challenges, fear, or pandemic. That a follower of Jesus can possess a blessed life even if they don't own a lot of possessions. See, for a Jesus follower, a blessed life begins and ends with keeping the main things, the main things, when everything is changing. A blessed life comes from putting everything into its proper place and prioritizing those things that are most important. And uh, Haley and Elijah, I love you, but I'm going to use you as an example now. Uh, uh, whenever we pack for a vacation, especially when my kids were younger, we're like, all right, pack your suitcase, because they each have their own little suitcase, and we're going out for a week, and what do you got? You know, and I'll look at their suitcase, and it's 15 stuffed animals in one T-shirt. 
right? And I, and, and, and I don't judge them because if you've seen their stuffed animals, they're really cute. But anyways, it doesn't work. It's not practical. Like, you need a pair of socks, all right? Some shoes would be good as well. So, you know, they didn't, and they oft, sometimes don't prioritize their clothes over their toys. But you know when I thought about this? I don't know that I'm all that different than that. I don't know that adults are much different than kids. Adults, too, prioritize their toys over stuff. They pri- prioritize their stuff over people. And keeping priorities in their proper place means keeping Jesus in his rightful place in our lives. Otherwise, it's like that suitcase. It just doesn't work, and everything just doesn't fit, and it's actually not all that helpful. So for the Jesus follower, blessed life is about keeping our priorities in their proper place, which means keeping Jesus in his rightful place as first in our lives. But I don't know if you've experienced this. I know I have. <laughs> using using Jesus's way of, of life as a filter for how I go about doing my life, keeping Jesus at the forefront of my mind whenever I am making important decisions, or positioning Jesus as first in my life, is easier said than done. I mean, we all just have so many things that are competing for our hearts, for our minds, for our attention, and for our affection. I mean, there are just some very simple, normal, everyday things of life that are really good at competing for our Hearts, And I just want to mention a couple of these. Here are things that I've observed in my life and I've, I've observed as a pastor and, and getting to help love on and serve other people's lives. Here are some common things that are normal and not even bad, but just normal things that compete for your time, your heart, and your affection. One of them is your schedule. I mean, I, what I, it, is, it is crazy sometimes how we do life. This is just my opinion. I don't have a verse for this. I just think sometimes it's crazy what our schedules look like. We say no to nothing and yes to everything. Every kid has to be involved in four things. And if you've got two or three kids, you just start doing the math. I'm not going to do it. I don't like math. You do the math. But every kid and, and parents and, you know, husbands and wives aren't even connecting because it's just like, who's dropping off who? Who's doing this? Who's going there? Who's going there? We've got to have kids. And you know why? And I think this just happens accidentally because we look around and we go, hey, everybody else is doing this. I guess we're supposed to have our kids and everything, and I'm supposed to be in a million things and say no to nothing. And sometimes our schedule just takes over it's like a wave that comes crashing over us. And here's the interesting thing. For many of us, your schedule now looks different. I think we have a real opportunity now that when things go back to normal, that we will get to make a choice if we want to go back to what was normal. I, that's just one thing I've noticed. Sometimes it's that some things that compete for us is, is, is that cute guy or girl or that group of friends. I mean, I've seen this all the time. Uh, you know, especially years as a youth pastor, someone's like, some guy's like, I love God. And then he's like, I love her. And they don't, it's like they can't do both. Some of you have a kid. They, you know, they loved you as their parents and they loved God. And then they met, you know, this, this girl, this guy, and they're just like, they love them a lot more now than they seem to love you. It happens all the time. Sometimes it could be a schedule. Sometimes it could be a person or a group of friends. This one is, is me, this next one. Sometimes it's just you. Sometimes it's just me. Sometimes I am just first, and I want to be first. I just want to put myself and my needs ahead of those around me. This is just a constant battle for me. If something that's competing for my heart 
is myself. And the last one, and where we're going to spend most of our time this morning, is your stuff. Because sometimes we can just never have enough stuff. The question is, how much stuff do we need? And usually the answer is just a little bit more than I currently have today. I mean, the stuff we have can easily begin to have us. I mean, think about how much time and dedication we, we give towards our stuff. I mean, we'll sacrifice for our stuff. We'll get, we'll get super overprotective about our stuff. I mean, we'll lose it when someone wants to borrow or scratches or takes from us our stuff. I mean, we'll work as much overtime as we can so we can get more stuff. We will literally kick our cars to the curb so we can fit more stuff in our garages, right? I mean, we'll panic shop at the grocery stores to stockpile more stuff. And when we actually decide to give away some of our stuff, we make sure we post it everywhere on social media so everybody can know how generous we are with our stuff. I mean, for some of us, and at me at different times in my life, our stuff is just not enough. I could always use a little bit more stuff. And when I, when I get in that mind stuff, I don't just have stuff, but that stuff begins to have me. And so I want to tell you a true story. None of the details have been exaggerated, exaggerated for effect. But when Christy and I were, were like a, a couple months into marriage and we moved out of town into a city where we only knew a couple people and we just moved into an apartment. And if you ever had a dream that was like so real... Uh, that you thought it was happening. Well, I had a dream that was so real, and that I found out later was it's because it was was real. So I had a dream where there was this like big pounding happening, like boom, 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 and I I, I woke up from it because it was so loud, only to find out the pounding was still happening. Someone was pounding on our front door, and I looked in bed, and my wife wasn't there, and she ran into the room with a, a phone, and she was calling nine one one. I'm like what is going on? She's like, there's someone at our door. So I ran to the door and I looked through the people and there's a man just in shadow with a big knife like this long and he's kicking in our front door. And so I ran back to the bedroom and I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? I got no skill here. Uh, What do I do? So what I did have under my bed was a baseball bat. But here's the problem. It was my Barry Bonds autographed baseball bat, the home run leader in all of Major League Baseball, the greatest San Francisco giant who's ever lived, someone I've seen in person many times, in this plastic tube container to protect it with the authentication certificate in it. And this is this is not my best moment, but I literally remember looking at that and then hearing the pounding and looking at the bat and like, is there something else I can use right now? Is there anything else? And I just remember like literally having for a brief moment an internal struggle of like, Dude, this is the coolest thing I own. I saved up so long. It's going to increase in value over the years, please. And I'm like, yeah. I mean, isn't that weird? I mean, that is crazy. And I'm sorry, Christy, if this is the first time you're hearing this, but I did for a moment pause uh, to value a baseball bat over our own lives. And I don't know about you, if you're a Jesus follower, maybe you're not a Jesus follower, you're just tuning in. Maybe this would even apply to you. Sometimes our stuff, the stuff that we have, just has us. And nothing competes with with Jesus more for our time and our heart and our affection more than our possessions. Our stuff, our possessions 
just have a way of competing for our hearts unlike anything else. And I don't say this because I'm so smart or I've observed human life. I say this because this is something Jesus said, and I just kind of go with Jesus. But Jesus made this observation, and he shares with us these words that I want to share with you because I think they could be really helpful for us this morning. So you can open up your Bible, or the verses will be on the screen. But I want to read to you about our stuff from Jesus' perspective. And here's what he says in Matthew chapter 6. Here we go. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. He says, no one, can you say it with me out loud, wherever you're at, no one can serve two masters, for he'll either will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. And then Jesus says, you cannot serve God and mammon. I'm going to get to mammon, because you're probably like, what is that? I'm pretty sure I don't serve that, because I've never even heard of that. So, so this is Jesus's perspective. Jesus is like, there's a, there's a, there's a two-runner race for vying for your heart. One of them's me, Jesus. I'm running after it. And the other one is all of your stuff. It's a two-person race. They're coming after you. Now, Jesus used, uh, some, he, he, he uses some words that were really relevant in the first century and relevant to some parts in our world today. He said, no one can serve two masters. Now, unfortunately, in the first century, when these words were said, slavery uh, was just a part of the culture. That was not... Uh, abnormal, that was not weird. The economy was built upon that. If, if you couldn't pay off a debt, you had to work for someone as their slave in, in order to pay it off. So back then, everyone hearing these words would have either had one time been a slave, was a slave, or would have known personally someone who was or is a slave. So this is very normal language that everybody would have understood, and that's why I think Jesus uses this kind of dark uh, analogy, because everyone would have went, yeah, if you're a slave, you don't have two masters, you just have one. And Jesus is going, that's how it works with me too. That's how it works with me. You just have one, one or the other. You'll either lean in one direction or you will lean in the other. Your loyalties and your pursuits and your passions and your de dedication will all kind of lean in my direction or will lean in another direction. So Jesus said there's two things comp competing for your heart, your time, and affection. The things of God and your things, your stuff. Now, we've all been introduced to new words lately, um, like the coronavirus, like social distancing, like you know, flattening the curve. And so I want to introduce you to a really old Aramaic word that maybe you've never heard of called mammon. Now, Mammon is a word, it's kind of a broad word, that just represents our material possessions. It also represents materialism. It represents your possessions. And mammon, from Jesus' perspective, is God's rival for your heart. That mammon represents the things we are tempted to place our trust, our hope, and our security in. Mammon re represents the things that attempt to replace God for our pursuit, for our focus, and for our priority. Because nothing competes for our hearts, our time, and affection more than our possessions. But Jesus knows that your stuff will never fully satisfy you. It'll never fully bring you the hope and peace and comfort and security that you're looking for. So here's what Jesus wants you to know, and here's what Jesus wants me to know. Or maybe this is just something you need to be reminded of, that Jesus says, 
Have stuff, but fight to not let your stuff have you. Have stuff. He's not, just, he's not against stuff. Have stuff, but don't let your stuff have you. And so in just a few minutes, I'm going to ask you a few questions that will actually act as like a litmus test for your heart and my heart to find out, do we not only just have stuff, but to what degree or how much does some of our stuff have us? Because Jesus would say to you, don't let what you possess possess you. Don't let the pursuit of more become your pursuit. Some people can never have enough. Some people have come to realize that their stuff will never be enough to satisfy them. And this is what Jesus wants you to know and wants me to know. Jesus wants you to know, wants you to know that life works best when Jesus remains first. Many thousands of years ago, God the Father, in a book called Exodus, the second book of the Old Testament, he gives his Ten Commandments. Maybe some of you have heard the Ten Commandments, can maybe name two or three yourself. But in, this, in these powerful words, he says this to the ancient Hebrew people. He said, you shall have no other gods before me. Don't have any other gods, any other idols, any other thing. And he would say to us, don't have anything before me, not your stuff, not another person. And God didn't say this because he's so insecure. God didn't say this because he's so overbearing. God didn't say this because he's so demanding. God said this because he knows this. This is what he knows, that he is more stable and secure than your stock market, that he is more reliable than your retirement, that he is more gracious and forgiving than any debt collector, that he is more knowledgeable about the future than any forecaster, that he is more generous than your employer, and he is more fulfilling than anything you could fill your garage with, your attic with, your basement with, or your bank account with that he is forever unchanging, unlike the ever-changing world that we live in. That's why he says these words, because he knows how life works best, and it works best when we keep him first. And so a poet many years ago wrote these beautiful words, and they're so relevant for us today. It's such a word of wisdom and, and, and encouragement. This could be a great verse to write down and put somewhere in the book of Psalm, it says, and if your wealth increases, don't make it the center of your life because that's the temptation. If it gets bigger, make it the center. If it gets bigger, make it the center. Have you ever like gotten something bigger? You upgraded to it, brought something new, and it kind of becomes the center. You're like, nobody touch it. Don't go near it. Stay away from it. It just happens. The psalmist says, don't build your life upon it. Don't make it what you rely and depend upon. Don't make it what you trust in. Don't make it what you pursue. Don't look for it to make you happy. Don't make it the center of your life because it's too undependable. It's too unreliable. It will let you down. Because the opposite of this verse, if we read it this way, and if your wealth decreases, what happens if that's the center of your life? Your life goes down with it. Jesus does not want that for you. He does not want that for me. So God encourages us to never build our life upon things that can change, things that are unstable. Much like for many of us in Utah, the ground shook underneath our feet 
with the largest earthquake they've had in about 30 years. It was unstable. <laughs> it was scary. God would say, don't build your life upon things that can shake at any moment. One of the first century followers of Jesus wrote some really powerful words, and in them, they give us something more reliable that we can build our life upon. And it's found in a book called Hebrews, verse 13, chapter verse 13, verse 8. It says, Jesus Christ is the same. Would you just say that with me? The same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, that's something you can build a life upon. That's something that's reliable and dependable, something that we shouldn't build our lives upon any something, but a someone. That someone is Jesus, who's unchanging, who's reliable, who's dependable, who loves you. I don't know what you've been told about Jesus. I know sometimes Christians don't represent him very well. Maybe that just turns you off and you're like, ugh. They likely weren't representing Jesus. And if you could just do your best to kind of drown out that noise and begin to seek him for yourself of who he really is. He's desperate for you to want to follow him because he's dependable and reliable and unchanging. So you and I, you and I all have stuff. And that's not wrong. The question is, do any part of our stuff have any part of me, any part of my heart? Does what you have in any way, big or small, have you? So, uh, with some help of some of our friends here at Crossroads, I came up with 10 questions that I want to ask. And these questions will, will act as a litmus test for your heart and my heart. And I, I just, I just want to warn you now that it was kind of uncomfortable for me just coming up with these questions. And I think it might get a little uncomfortable for you. But I think these questions could help surface in our hearts to what degree, to what extent does some of the stuff we have have us. So what I don't want you to do, if you're with someone right now and I ask one of these questions, I don't want you to kind of look at them and give them the eye, the stink eye, like, yeah, that one's you. I don't want any gentle nudges. I don't want you to be looking for anyone else in this. I want you to look for you. And even if you're doing all of these things well, I still know the Lord would want to even increase, increase it to another degree you've never experienced. So are you ready to get a little bit uncomfortable, settle down, put your seatbelt on if you're driving, you know, whatever you got to do. Here we go. First question. We're going to start off easy and get a little bit harder. Do you struggle to donate stuff and, and get rid of stuff you haven't used in months or years? Like, because you just live with this mindset, oh, someday, oh, someday. I mean, it, you know, family, your spouse, you're keeping like, what are we going to do with all this stuff? Ah, I may use it. I may use it. I haven't used it. I may use it. Is that hard for you? If it is, just know that your stuff has you to some degree. It just has you, okay? Here's another one. Are you an emotional buyer or a spiritual shopper? And what I mean is, do you just get like me, excited on Amazon, and, you know, whatever, you just click the button before I have to think about it, <laughs> click the button before I have to ask if this is something we can afford, right? Are you an emotional buyer? Are you a spiritual shopper? A spiritual shopper goes, Lord, I can buy this. Should I buy this? Because there's a big gap between can I afford it or should I afford it? A spiritual shopper says, okay, maybe I can. I can finance it. 
Should I finance it? It's a whole different question to ask. A great question maybe you can begin injecting into your shopping. Here's another one. Do you regularly live outside of your means? Do you regularly live outside of your means? If you do, it's because some of your stuff has a lot of you. Do you think to yourself ever, I'll be more of a giver when I can just earn a little bit more? Or, hey, I'm a high schooler. I don't really have much to give anyways, so this doesn't apply to me. If your mindset is, once the pandemic ends, then I'll be generous when I can afford to be. That's a mindset that disciples don't have. They, they repent of that mindset and go, God, help me not to be that way. Next one. Do you worry or talk a lot about your stuff or your money? And this is where you may have to later on ask someone you live with if that's true about you, and, and they'll probably tell you, like, yeah, that's, that's you. Sometimes we're not even aware how much we're thinking about it, talking about it, discussing it, making it an issue. Maybe it's what most of the arguments revolve around inside of your home. What do you do and what do you run to when you're stressed, worried, or in need of some comfort or satisfaction? Do you run to your stuff? Is that your first inclination? Run to my stuff or buy more stuff. <laughs> yeah, because it temporarily does make you kind of go, oh, okay. But then, then that satisfaction goes away. So what do you run to when times are feel fearful, when times are stressed? What do you run to for your comfort? Is it God or is it someone else or is it your stuff? Okay, it's going to keep getting harder. You ready? Think about everything you own. Could you live without it? Before you answer that, let me ask you, ask you the next one. If God told you to give it away, would you? And that's everything from what's parked in your garage to what's in your closet in your bedroom. Would you? If God was like, I want you to give this away, would you? And if there's any part of you that's like, oh, uh, I don't think I would, no, not that, not that. Like you have your list of no, not that, not that, not that. God may go, okay, those things aren't wrong, but they have some part of you. Number eight, do you give regularly, financially, and practically to those in need? Do you give regularly? financially and practically to those in need, not just at Christmas, which is a great time, regularly. Is that a part of your life? It is not, if it is not a part of your regular life, it's because your stuff has some part of you or maybe a big part of you. Two more, and then it'll, it'll be over. Do you tithe regularly? Do you give regularly? Depending on what study you read, uh, most Christians in the United States, it's usually only around 1 to 5 or 1 in 10 actually tithe regularly. And that is a great litmus test and indicator that our stuff is our stuff. And it has some part of us. Last one. This is a hard one, and this one is challenging me big time. Do you save up for someone else's rainy day or just your own? Do you stockpile toilet paper for just yourself or for someone else? I had a member of Crossroads, uh, the Larson family. They TP'd my house last week. And what I mean by that, they brought us toilet paper and didn't throw it in a tree. They actually just gave it to us. Said, here you go. They had extra and they wanted to share it. So I took one of those and I TP'd a friend's house. And I put it at his porch in a bag so he could have some too. So do you save up 
just for your rainy day, we save up for other people's rainy days too. So how'd you do? How'd you do? I know I could do better for sure. And I think Jesus wants to just remind you and remind me, I'm a part of this. I need to be reminded of this. He says, Adam, have stuff, but just don't let your stuff have you. Have stuff, but just don't let your stuff have you. Not any part of you. It will lead you astray. I'm competing for you, and so is your stuff. Don't let your stuff win, because your stuff will let you down if it goes away. Think about this. Even our riches here in the United States try to remind us of that, that if you were to pull out one of your coins, it says on it, in God we trust. And isn't it ironic that even our riches are reminding us to trust in God, yet we are still so tempted to place our trust in the very little piece of metal those words are etched on. So I want to give you a great quote from Jesus. Something to read, something to meditate on, something just to absorb and take into your life. This is so powerful. And I think it's so relevant today. He says here in, in Matthew chapter 6, don't keep hoarding for yourselves. I know that's a big part of what's happening all around the United States, people hoarding. He says, don't keep hoarding for yourselves. Earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. He just says, they're too unreliable. They're, too unde unde they're not dependable enough. Material wealth, that manna, that eventually rusts, decays, or loses its value. And he tells us, and instead, <laughs> instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourselves that cannot be stolen and will never rust, decay, or lose their value. For your heart will always pursue, pursue what you value as your treasure. What is your treasure? What is competing for your heart, your time, and your affection? You know, at a time when some people are hoarding different things and it's hard to find things, Jesus would say to you and to me as his disciples, would you start hoarding some love, some grace, and some kindness? Not to keep it, but would you stockpile it? Would you just stockpile it, have it, so when the need is great, you can meet it? Would you just stockpile some love? Would you stockpile some kindness? Would you stockpile and just get all these things here? So when your neighbor needs it or a family member needs it or your world needs it, you can give it away. Let's start stockpiling that and not just paper towels. Let's stockpile those things because the need is now. And let's begin to give it away. Let's begin to care about our neighbor and our neighbor's families and not just our own. And some of you guys, you get this and you're doing this. Most of you at Crossroads, you're doing this. Keep doing it. Our world needs it more than ever. Because you know, Jesus followers, disciples, they just do it differently. Disciples don't have a sweater or a jacket or money or possession that they wouldn't gladly and willingly give away to anyone, even if it was at their own expense. That's just how disciples do life differently. Disciples view life differently. They look at it as everything is a loan from God, they're just stewards of it, owners of nothing, so they are more than happy to share it with someone else who needs it. 
I mean, just disciples, they just view life differently. They view stuff differently. So I want us to practice together how we can be more generous, how we can stockpile some things that we can practically just give away to meet other people's needs. I want to show you a picture of some items we're going to begin collecting. And this is from the trunk of Suzanne Rubin, who's one of the members at our Ogden Street, 2nd Street campus. She's been collecting these uh, from her friends, and she's donating them um, to uh, the, the middle school next to our 2nd Street campus, Highlands Middle School. We are working in conjunction with the vice principal there, Daniel Harnsberger, and Daniel told Suzanne that their food pantries now bear. And if you don't know much about the area and the neighborhoods around our 2nd Street campus, is literally one of the poorest neighborhoods in Utah, in all of Utah. So the need is great. So if you're sitting at home going, man, I can't even find some of those items, imagine how hard it must be for them, not only to find them, but to afford them. See, many of us, it may be hard to find, but it's not hard to afford. So they have the double whammy of two obstacles they're facing. So here's what we're going to ask for donation items. Toilet paper, paper towels, napkins, toothbrushes, toothpaste, and non-perishable food items. Okay? I, I want to give you the link you can go to to be reminded of this list. Crossroadsgo.org forward slash go local. Take out your camera, take a picture of that, write it down on a piece of paper, type it into the notes on your phone. Just take a second, write that page number down because I want to make a big ask. We had about 90-ish people streaming uh, online, which that probably represents close to 270, 280 people or, or maybe even more. Can you imagine how much we would blow the mind of Highland Middle School and Vice Principal Dan if we showed up with trunkfuls of that stuff? Let's do that. Let's do it. Let's all make something. This is an all-skate. Let's all do it. Let's all get in it. And if you're like... I. I don't have a spare to square. I, I, don't, I can't spare any toilet paper. I can't. Find a way. One roll. Anything. What do you got? You're not giving it to Crossroads. We're going to give it all to Highlands Middle School's pantry so they can give it away to that neighborhood. I would love it if all of us did this. So there's a couple ways. If you go to that web page, you can click a button that says, I'm ready for pickup, meaning you've collected the items. And you'll put it out. You can put it outside your door. And uh, the form that you filled out, it'll let us know that you're ready for pickup. Someone will come by your house, grab it off your door, and deliver it to that neighborhood, to the vice principal there at Highlands Middle School. Or the other option is at our Uinta campus, which is in the little city of Uinta, you can actually put it in bins that we have outside of our building. You can just drive, off, drive up and drop off. Put the lid on top of it so in case it gets snowy or rainy, it doesn't get damaged. So you have those options. So everybody, let's all do this. Let's all do this. And there's more needs coming into Crossroads that we're going to address, but today, let's address that neighborhood around our Crossroads Church, and let's all do this together. So let's pray. Pray for me, because I need prayer to not put myself first. I need prayer to be a more generous person, because I want to experience a blessed life. And a blessed life starts by keeping the main things, the main things, and everything is changing. So God, help me to put my trust in you. God, help me to not find my, try to find my happiness and my contentment and my peace in stuff, stuff that's unreliable, stuff that can change. But Lord Jesus, help me to continue to build my life upon 
you, who are unchanging, because Jesus, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And for all of our friends watching, some of which who have never made a decision to put their trust in you, may today they do so in their living room, in their car, wherever they're at right now. If that's you, just simply pray, Lord Jesus, I put my trust and hope in you. If you've never given your life to Jesus, just stop and pray this in your heart right now. There's no magic words. Just say to Jesus, Jesus, I want you to be my savior. Jesus, I want you to be my master. I don't want to serve these other things that don't serve me well. I want to serve you because you will serve me well. You will bring salvation and healing and forgiveness and hope and and you can restore things that have been robbed from me. Jesus wants to do that for you. So would you just pray right now and just confess to him your need for him. Tell him you want to walk with him. Tell him you want him to be your Lord and Savior and he will walk with you. He will not social distance himself from you. He will get up right close to you in everything that you're going through because he loves you. He loves you so much. So, Lord Jesus, bless our friends that have made a decision to put their faith and hope in you. If that's you today, let us know. Let us know that you made that decision so we can call you, so we can celebrate with you, so we can cheer you on. God, we love you, and we thank you for the stuff we have, but may we never let our stuff have us. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Please come back next week for the last part of our series of Blessed Life. I love and I miss you all, and I'm giving you fist bumps and handshakes and hugs right now. I love you. Have a great morning. Jesus.